It's Tuesday, March 9th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill with me today, the one and only Bill Barker. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We've got athletic apparel retail, we've got recreational vehicles. We're going to start with the stock of the day. Shares of Stitch Fix are falling 30% this morning. Second quarter revenue was lower than expected. Customers are spending less on Stitch Fix's platform. Uh, the company's also dealing with shipping delays. If you're looking for a silver lining, the loss in the second quarter was smaller than expected. But as silver linings go, that's not a great one. No, uh, it's not a great one. Although uh, I think uh, if you can rewind a little bit to uh, just just before the previous earnings announcement, the stock is still higher today, even though it's been cut in half uh, than it was uh, at the end of November. Uh, it, it it ran ahead of itself on um, some guidance that it was going to do twenty percent or better growth this year. It's cut back on that, so. Uh, it really it took off, even though if you look at the quarter as a whole, uh, the previous quarter, the one just released today, uh, it really wasn't all that different in terms of the actual growth that was being booked. So, uh, you know, the stock is telling a more dramatic story, I would say, than the business. The part of the story today, which is probably most concerning, is this. Uh, you know, delays on being able to book revenues because of the the problems that they are having with the the logistics of of getting uh, things out and getting things returned. You go back three months, uh, there was a short squeeze that helped propel shares of Stitch Fix uh, on its previous earnings report, and. You know, it is one of those things. Looking at the stock today, I do wonder if 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 some of those bears are are are, are maybe um, you know that it closed out their position or are are coming back to it. It's again there there are a number of things that they're dealing with that you know if if that was the only thing they were dealing with, it you know it wouldn't be such a dire picture. It, to me, it's the combination of all these things, and and it's not getting the headline. But the um, you know the the people who are spending less and you, you and I were look neither one of us is a Stitch Fix customer. You and I were um, you you had sent me a link this morning um, looking at uh, the platform where uh, you can essentially choose um, to start looking at clothing through your lifestyle. Well, what is your lifestyle? And you and I, I think, were struck by the same thing, which is for men. The five different lifestyles that are being offered by Stitch Fix all kind of look the same. It's all kind of casual, comfortable wear. Um, I'm assuming that a year ago, pre-pandemic, the different lifestyles were much more different. Maybe there was one that was more focused on business wear, sort of classic business wear, um, nightlife, you know, all that sort of thing. And I think that's you know that is the the part of this equation that Stitch Fix has no control over, is that the pandemic has dramatically changed how people dress. Yeah, the uh, we did get a look at this, and and if anybody's uh, following along live and wants to open up the Stitch Fix uh, site, they can do so if they're in their car driving right now. I would say don't. Yeah, don't, don't do, do that. that. Don't do that. Uh, but the five categories. Uh, Casual, athleisure, active, cozy, and weekend 
if I were given the pictures and these words and I had to match them up in sort of a price is right uh, game style thing, put these five words on these five pictures, you only have to get one right to win the grand prize. I'm pretty sure I, I, it would it's just coin flipping. I, they're, they're five identical looks to my untrained eye. I think we're not the demographic, I assume. I think if I were to ask Stitch Fix to pick out some clothes for me, they'd probably refuse, and, and rightly so. Just that, we, that, that man can't be dressed. Uh, but uh, I think they need a little, little more uh, eye to, to our eyes uh, on, on how to differentiate these looks. Um, because if this is the very, very fine distinctions that they're drawing between uh, the perfect look for a perfect style and, and just missing, um, then I, they're saying to me, like, we, we've got one look for everybody uh, is, is what I see here. But I'm sure they're better than that. They've, they've grown the business pretty nicely. I mean, to, to kick somebody when they're down, the stock's down 28% in a day is an uh, easy thing to do. They've, they've done a better job than that. And uh, but twelve percent uh, ish growth, given the amounts they've invested in the business of late, uh, isn't going to get you to big profits. And there's a version of this that uh, things turn around dramatically for Stitch Fix. Uh, you know, we've been talking a lot in this show recently about. Uh, what's being called the great reopening. Um, you look at all of the stats around how much money people have saved, either intentionally or just because they are, you know, uh, through circumstance, just spending less and people looking to later this year um, celebrate being out of the pandemic. Uh, that's obviously going to manifest itself in a lot more travel than we've seen over the past year. Uh, I think for a lot of people, it's um, it's going out. It's buying new clothes to uh, to go out at night, to go back to clubs, go back to bars, all that sort of thing. So the opportunity is going to be there for Stitch Fix, and I think at this point it's just a question of whether or not they're able to take advantage of it. Yeah, you're you've sort of jumped the gun. We were talking about this before. You you went ahead and bought a T-shirt, in fact, recently. Right. <laughs> Right. Yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that was not so much out of necessity. That was more out of boredom. Just seems like a, a sign of reopening that uh, you, you're ready to to wade back in uh, with a t-shirt here and there. Uh, exactly. No, that is the, Stitch Fix um, has an opportunity if people need to upgrade their wardrobe uh, to get out there and help them do that. As do lots of other places. Uh, that being Stitch Fix, you would have thought would have grown more than twelve percent year over year. Um, given people staying indoors and not, not going out to malls to, to do their clothes shopping. So uh, it does look today uh, a little less rosy than it did before, uh, but it doesn't look that much different than it looked four or five months ago. Second quarter profits for Thor Industries came in much higher than expected. Revenue was up as well for the RV maker, but shares of Thor not really moving higher due to guidance. And I want to get to the guidance in a minute. But first, how good was this quarter? Because on the surface, this looks like a really good quarter. Uh, yeah, it was a really good quarter. That was already um, easy to see. Uh, the uh, Recreational Vehicle Trade uh, Industry Association uh, puts out monthly data on on shipments, and they were up 
uh, 43% in November, 47% in December, 39% in January. Those are all comping to a year ago when everything was, was still open. So those are, those are good numbers. And, and the numbers going ahead are going to look even better for RVs on a year-over-year comparison because everything, uh, the, the factories really kind of shut down toward the second half of March and, and a good part of April. And, and there were almost no shipments for the industry. So they've got a, a several more months of basically free uh, eye-popping comparisons. Uh, so given the fact that the industry was was doing about 40, 41% uh, increased sales, uh, that th- which is uh, the number one player, uh, was doing the same basically uh, yeah, the market really already knew what was coming uh, in, in today's report. In terms of the guidance, um, one of the things Thor Industry Management talked about was, uh, you know, they said there are going to be some supply chain issues. Um, and I'm curious how bad you think those are going to be, because we've seen, certainly in the automotive industry, uh, supply chain issues are, are causing significant problems uh, for some of the automakers. For RV makers like Thor, is this, uh, you know, they're, they're saying, look, this is, this is going to be bad in the short term. They didn't really paint a, a, a terrible picture here. Um, I, I, I guess my question is, do you believe them? Well, I think that so in the auto, the the thing that's getting headlines, some of the headlines is the chips, and so for the towable segment of RVs, you've got the ones that you tow behind a vehicle, and then you've got the motorhomes, the big, large, uh, self, you know, the the, the things that, that you're that driving, uh, and they'll need the chips, the motorhomes, but not so much on the the towables. So that's not one of the the issues for them, but. Uh, supply chain is an issue. There are uh, plenty of stories getting out about uh, things coming into uh, California, uh, being brought in across the ocean, and there's just a logjam of uh, cargo waiting to get off. Um, there are going to be issues. That's okay. The demand is there. They've got, I think, uh, 10 billion in um, back orders. Uh, so the problems that the RV industry has suffered through really came about by building too many RVs too fast and having too many on lots. And they had a record year in 2017. They still haven't, as an industry, surpassed the 2017 shipment record. It looks like they will this year. Uh, but the fallout of that was 2018. There were too many RVs on the lots. Thor saw its stock price drop two thirds and it's taken most of the last three years to regain uh, the stock price that it had uh, back in early 2018. So the, the early part of the year, there were still good shipments. And then second half of the year, things started falling off and the stocks cratered. So uh, I, I don't think that having a huge demand that they're unable to meet right away uh, is is that consequential. I think it's a, a much uh, bigger problem is going to be if they, again, make the mistake of anticipating a huge jump long-term in the market that doesn't end up materializing. 
Dick's Sporting Goods wrapped up the fiscal year in style. Fourth quarter profits and revenue came in solidly higher than expected, but shares of Dick's Sporting Goods down 7% uh, due to guidance. Uh, I understand why the stock is falling, because this is a stock that has just better than doubled over the past year. And uh, like I said, I mean, this, is, this has really been an amazing year for Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah, you summed up today's action um, that the the stock had already anticipated pretty good results. And uh, Dix has guided to softer growth uh, for the year ahead, which makes sense. This is, you know, the athletic, the sporting goods industry had been growing at about 1.5% a year in the, the five years previous to the pandemic. And you've got a lot of competition. You've got Amazon, you've got Walmart, uh, you've got your specialty retailers, um, and uh, and Dix has seen a, a good growth on its online business. It's had to really get behind that business during this last year, the way lots of other places have. And sitting on top of, I think, 15 17% growth this last quarter is an indication of people still buying uh, equipment for their homes, weights, um, bikes, things like that, treadmills, and getting ready to, to go back out. Uh, and like a lot of other places that have had sort of eye-popping same-store sales improvements this year, I think that the year going ahead is going to be one of consolidating, digesting, just trying to somehow level off and, and keep that level of sales rather than say, look, it's, it's just, this is just going to compound on top of itself. It's not going to compound on top of itself. You've got that story coming out from Home Depot, from Tractor Supply, from plenty of other retailers, uh, the ones that were able to stay open during the year. Um, you know, I, I think that they, they as I said, one and a half percent growth in the industry, you know, they, they're, they're seeing like 10 years of growth uh, this year. That's not going to that's that's not the number that you can anchor to for something to look forward to. No, although I do think the investments that Dick Sporting Goods made in delivery, um, in their digital sales, in their uh, just pickup at bricks and mortar locations, um you know, it was uh, it was smart, uh, and that is the sort of thing that you know it's it, it's not going to get you, as you said, it's not going to get the the exact same kind of growth. Um, but it is the sort of investment that they had to make. They did it well, and I think that that continues to pay a small dividend in the future. And I think it I, uh, it's a credit to uh, Lauren Hobart, who is the CEO. She took over in February of last year, so I mean. It, CEO transitions are tough under good circumstances. These were terrible circumstances, and um, you know, to the extent that you you uh, you give out rookie of the year awards for CEOs, I mean, uh, the job she did, I think, was amazing. Well, necessity is the mother of invention, and I think that they, like others, have had to deliver an online experience which is comparable to what people think about first, which is in many cases, Amazon. And if you are not able to deliver the same experience, both in terms of 
shipping and delivery and in terms of online selection to shop from, you're going to get left behind. And so those investments were necessary. They have paid off. They will pay dividends going forward. Uh, in the meantime, they have a large legacy uh, physical business, uh, which people know and, and will continue to use, but is a more challenging future to navigate. Uh, even when people are free to go back into malls and free to do everything they did before, that part of the business was under pressure from the online side. They've now joined the online uh, participants, and that's the part of the business I'd be more enthusiastic about uh, going forward. We've got the college basketball tournament coming up, uh, second half of the NBA season. Safe to assume that you're already focused on spring training? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's uh, again, a year where we can assume that the Yankees will be much more fun to follow than the Red Sox. <laughs> uh, so all is right in the world uh, for, for the majority of people, uh, I would say. But uh, Wait, majority? See, the Red Sox are not as universally loved as the Yankees. Facts. I Facts. I, 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 think, I think you misspoke there. I think you meant to say hated when you said loved. They're not as hated as the Yankees either, but uh, the Yankees are the, the team that people love to hate. And, uh, you know, go, go around the world. You'll see a lot more Yankees hats than Red Sox hats. You know that to be true. Uh, it's those fashionable pinstripes that never go out of style. I they mean, never do. They're slimming. <laughs> Take a, have, you, have you seen photos of Babe Ruth? They're, they're not as slimming as you think. Can, can you imagine him in um, horizontal stripes? Oh, that would be even worse. Babe Ruth stole as many bases in his career as Pete Rose. Did he really? Yeah. Yeah. He's not as fat as you think. Well, he's not as skinny as you think. <laughs> he's not, Pete Rose was not as fast as you think either. He used to steal more bases back in, in different eras of baseball. And I think Pete Rose was not in necessarily one of the huge base stealing eras in the wow, 60s. We're going to have to rethink that, that Charlie Hustle nickname for Pete Rose. Uh, well, he, he, he got as much as he could good out of his physical gifts uh was, was babe ruth uh, squandered some of his physical gifts but uh utilized a lot of them as well he he uh he, he's uh still the best best there ever was in terms of how much better he was than the, the competition of his era bill barker always good talking to you thanks for being here thanks for having me as always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about on The Motley Fool Man or recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.